0: Welcome to the Supervisory Development Course podcast from the University of Minnesota. The following is an excerpt from the Performance Management Reality Check webinar that aired on February 27th, 2019. The panel experts represent the University of Minnesota Talent and Performance Management Working Group. If you're interested in listening to the full webinar or want more information and resources, visit supervising.umn.edu and explore Module 2 on Managing and Evaluating Performance. At this point in our webinar, as I mentioned earlier, we have some people here um, to speak with us about some of these topics. And the the question, of course, is what can you do? So we're going to turn it over to our experts, Donna, Christina, and Brandon. They're going to answer your questions that have come from uh, feedback and evaluations about performance management. And they'll give you tips on how to implement that, that, what works in your current supervisory role. Currently, they, three of them, are part of a system-wide talent and performance management working group that is looking at how to improve performance management practices at the U. Before we get started, can, you, can any of you tell us a little bit about the focus of the group's work?
1: Sure. I can speak to that a little bit. Great. So, uh, currently, and, and many employees at the university actually don't know this, uh, performance management is determined locally. So the form that you use for your performance review, the tools and the process that you use, whether you use a technology platform or not, that's determined at the local level. Um, And so that creates a lot of different practices, some of which are effective, some of which maybe aren't. And there's been a lot of advances in the last few years in performance management and our understanding in the world of what works and what doesn't. And so this group is coming together. It's a a group of HR directors across the system, and, and we're part of that to really identify what are some common practices that we could put in place system-wide to improve performance management, make it more effective, maybe less painful, that kind of thing.
0: Thank you, and I wonder if that was new for a lot of our listeners, that performance management is something that's developed on a local level. That's that's important to remember. Great, thank you. So while we're we're listening from our experts, I would encourage you participants to feel free to submit any questions you have in the Q&A so we can address whatever it is that you're wondering about so donna if we can we'll start with you sure so one of the questions that a lot of people have asked over the years that we hear about in the evaluations and feedback is there's clearly like based on what we talked about today what we've talked about in previous sessions there's clearly a lot to think about when we think about performance management but i think one thing that people can get stuck on is like you know i want to do all of this but i have to kind of Start somewhere. So if in your opinion, where would you encourage people to start?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Wait, a, yeah, that's a great question. Emily, thank you. So um, I think that the one thing that really can be a game-changer for supervisors and employees is based on the quality of the conversations between the two of them and you know one of the purposes of a performance review is to check in with an employee peer your supervisor uh, but this conversation is not terribly helpful if the only time you do it is in, you know, April or May of each year. So, um, and you spoke to this earlier, but I really think those ongoing conversations um, throughout the year is the cornerstone of performance management. I believe if you do that well, the rest will sort of fall into place. Um, and so it just it allows supervisors to get in the habit of checking in with their employees on the progress toward their goals, how they align with the broader department team goals. Um, it's also a chance to level set with employees about what's going well for them, what they'd like to improve. But the other thing, or and the other thing is, it's a great opportunity for a supervisor to ask the employee how they, the supervisor is actually doing how they can help and just invite suggestions for ways in which they might do something better. And that might not be something that supervisors are used to at at this point, but it is helpful and it helps create more of a two-way conversation. Mm -hmm. It's not all the supervisor talking with the employee. And then just one more thing I want to mention is, you know, one of the most stressful, potentially one of the most stressful and disengaging things for employees is to not have clarity about what's expected of them um, and to not get feedback about how they're doing. So just really developing that ongoing practice of having, and you mentioned weekly, um, you know, even, I'll just say periodically, I think is is really so important.
0: So I I think everything you're saying makes sense, and probably to our participants too makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. It's very common sense, we know it's best practice. Yeah. So why don't, in your opinion, and this is kind of looking for a little bit of solidarity. Mm-hmm. Why don't people do this? You know, mm-hmm. What gets in the way of them having these conversations? Mm-hmm. It sounds like such common sense.
2: It, you know, I would say it's simple, but not easy. <laughs> and it yeah. is developing a new behavior, which, you know, as we know, always feels really uncomfortable at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you mentioned a bit about this earlier, too, about why people don't do it. Uh, when you're developing something new, it feels a little intimidating at first. I don't know how to talk to my employee, a supervisor might think. Um, or they might think they have to do it perfectly yeah. or you know they're going somehow the, the employee is going to misinterpret what they're saying. Or honestly I'm guessing what a lot of the supervisors online right now are thinking is when do I have time to do this of course yeah um, you know especially if they are feeling overloaded already but I think um, it, it's super important and it's actually a really good investment in time mm-hmm. um, you know think about the stress of doing a pile of performance reviews in April or May <laughs> and then think about sort of um, you know having those paced a bit more throughout the course of the year and, and it actually becomes um, a less stressful event then because at the end then you're just summarizing these conversations um, and and also you know another thing that gets in the way is you know we kind of touched on it earlier conflict avoidance
0: I was just thinking about that you know it really comes naturally to have conversations with some of your direct reports because of the type of uh, personalities or familiarity or friendliness that you might share with them mm-hmm. could you say a word about like how you know what is it that supervisors need to be thinking about when they're thinking about those direct reports that they work with that are a little bit more you know there's a little bit maybe more conflict or more uh, more difficulty in kind of getting that that conversation going with them mm-hmm. kind of it doesn't feel so easy or simple
2: that's right um, no that's that's another really good question and I think one of the most important pieces to it is that um, if there can be clarity with regard to expectations and mm-hmm. so the supervisor really needs to think about okay this is what the employee is responsible here's what I expect and then help um, clarify that with the employee so that at least they're on the same page there. Yeah. Um, if the conflict is about how they're doing it, that's another conversation. But I think just the what is the most important thing to clarify at first. And, and just to be for the supervisor to be well prepared for the conversation.
0: Like Yes, I think you totally hit the nail on the head there. You know, it, it's not just about kind of going with it. It's about preparing, thinking that's about right. what you want to say. You don't want to wing it. No, especially until it becomes that habit. That's right. And then it becomes a little bit more natural. Exactly. Thank you, Donna. I'm mm-hmm. sure there are our supervisors in our audience today. Have are thinking like, what if this or what if mm-hmm. that? So I would encourage um, supervisors to write those questions into the Q and A, and then we'll address those at the end um, of our panel. Sounds good. Thank you, Donna. Mm-hmm. Christina, one of the questions that I was hoping that you could talk about today, based on your experience and your expertise here, at you is, again, something that a lot of supervisors have asked us about in many different ways. So this question can take many different, uh, many different versions, but basically what it gets down to is what does performance management look like when it's done well? Sure. Could you talk to that? Yeah, absolutely. Great. So um, effective performance management is about uh, managing the performance. So it really starts with the foundational aspects that we've been talking about and that Donna elaborated on. Um, As far as like setting the goals, making sure that you know what success looks like and that's shared with your employee. It's about the quick check-ins throughout the year and then it's also about the evaluation at the end of the year. Um, But to be even more successful um, and more effective performance management, it's about differentiation of talent. Um, So it's about supervisors really understanding their talent pool. So where are, which employees are the high performers, which employees are the average, really solid performers and in which employees are the the lower performers as well. Um, And then understanding and intentionally supporting um, the different levels of talent. Often a lot of time and energy is spent on the low performers and handling those issues um, where effective performance management is more about shifting that focus and that energy across and making sure that high performers are also supported um, as well. Um, and then along with that too, it is taking the conversation about performance management beyond just that rating or that label that mm-hmm. goes with the rating. Mm-hmm. So it is providing that narrative and that communication, which we saw a lot in the, the chat about performance management Donna spoke to as well about the, the quick check-ins and the ongoing check-ins throughout the year. So it's having those conversations, providing the context, um, the opportunity to provide feedback, as well as just the rating itself. Thank you. So it sounds again like the importance of that conversation, that feeds into the narration, which feeds into a very effective, effective performance management evaluation. Yes. Um, Could you speak? I think this is kind of a new concept for. It could be a new concept for a lot of our audience. That idea of how much time you're spending on your poor performers or high, high high performers. Mm -hmm. Could you talk a little about why you think that we are drawn to always, you know, kind of using our efforts with our low performers and why it's important to and we talked about this already in the session but just curious what your thoughts are why why we're why we're addressing the low performers with so much energy and what it, what it is we need to think about with our high performers as well yeah so it could just be that the low performers are getting more time and attention because they're the ones causing the, yeah. the conflict the issues so it's trying to figure out the best way to Minimize the disruption. Mm-hmm. Um, it could also be um, an idea of fairness that mm-hmm. um, you want to, tr- a supervisor might just be compelled to treat everybody the same way, so they don't want to point out the, the high performers. Um, but it is important to. Um, support and talk about what that support looks like with your high performers. so as we saw some of the data earlier that you can retain them and you can motivate them because that's where the you know the real the good the good work gets done because they're high performers. Um, so it's talking about things um, opportunities mm-hmm. um, within the work space um, connections exposure to maybe different levels of leadership or different mm-hmm. people outside of your um, specific unit. Thanks yeah I think that's really worth worth thinking about kind of more in depth. Um, another question that I thought you might be able to help us with is, are there examples of what departments here at the U are doing to help develop their employees? And you've touched on a few things already, mm-hmm. do you have any anything else you could talk to us about in terms of what departments here at the U are doing to help develop their employees? Yeah, so at the university there's a lot of really good practices out there and um, some really excellent things being done. Um, it could look like, or examples that we've seen, have been communication plans. So oh. um, having leaders um, share and define what the communications about performance management is across the year, focusing on certain topics, providing training for supervisors as how to um, provide feedback, and also some navigation about what to talk about in those conversations, yeah. so you, they become more meaningful in that way. Great, thank you. So again, um, if there are any questions coming into our participants' minds, at this point based on anything Christina or Donna have said so far, please enter those into the Q&A and we'll have some time in a few minutes after hearing from Brandon to address those more individual questions. Brandon, thank you for joining us too. Um, One of the questions based on your expertise and your experience here at the U in your position, one of the questions that we've gotten over the years from our previous participants um, through evaluations and feedback has been if they are, it's kind of what to do. If they're currently in a department or unit or college that is, um, that is practicing a lot of these kind of counter practices that go against a lot of the best practices that we've talked about, I think that can be um, very demotivating, unmotivating for a lot of our supervisors. And I was just wondering, you know, what you would say to that? Uh, what can they do? in that kind of situation
1: yeah well I mean I'm sure there aren't supervisors out there that deal with any sorts of process or system that's kind of a pain right no that's that's the classic thing with performance management and the university is no different Um, you know there are some practices that are worse than others in terms of taking up time and not yielding results so I would sort of say a couple of things if you look at the short term so if you're a supervisor and you have a performance management process in your college or your unit that um, maybe is not aligned with the best practices we just talked about, right? So you're spending time doing things, checking boxes that really don't matter that much, um, and so on. Um, what you can really do in the short term is focus your time and energy on the things that work, and we just covered those things in, in this webinar. We know what works, and it's a few simple things around setting big, challenging goals, doing ongoing uh, feedback and development coaching, and in the review, really focusing on you know, impact and how that impact came about, so what were the behaviors that the person engaged in that either contributed to or detracted from the performance. And if you focus on those things, then you're going to have a good use of your time and you're going to elevate the performance of your employees and you're going to be developing them as well. So then if you focus on that and there's these other things that you have to do as part of your process uh, that take up your time and energy. Yeah. do just check the box on those you got to get them done right that's I would never advise a supervisor to not do the process that they have Um, but you know don't give them a lot of time and energy don't spend time you know really complaining about them and ruminating about (laughs) them and you know talking about them focus on the things that matter and not don't get distracted by the other things now in the long run so that's a short-term solution right is to focus on what works and, and tune out the distractions as much as you can in the long run um, part of the purpose actually of doing webinars like this is to get the knowledge out there mm-hmm. of what works and what's effective. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to get that really in the hands of all of our supervisors um, so that you can ask good questions mm-hmm. right locally. Mm-hmm. Ask your manager, ask your HR team, have conversations uh, with other supervisors. The pain points that managers have around performance management are pretty universal. Right? We talk with lots of groups, yeah. Yeah. lots of different areas mm-hmm. at the university, academic units, administrative units, all levels we hear the same frustrations with performance management. And so if you start talking within your unit with other supervisors, you're probably gonna hear similar sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the key in the long term is really to shift the conversation from sort of complaining about what doesn't work and pulling your hair out because you're spending time doing things that are frustrating, yeah. um, and focusing on which of these best practices can you apply in your unit, how might you change your process to simplify it, to focus it on what works, and to cut out the things that don't work. Um, it's uh, you know, it's very important to do that, but it can take time. If you want to have a change to your uh, review, your performance review in 2020, mm. you're going to have to implement changes like in the next couple of months because you can't surprise employees with a new process at the end of the year. You've got to start it. So it takes time to do that, but it's really about having those conversations, asking the good questions, using the knowledge um, to come up with ideas and solutions.
0: I like the way that you framed that with the short term, what you can do now, and again, a lot of that is based on what we've talked about today, and also into the long term, like what is it you want a year from now or two years from now? I think that's really important because people, we're impatient, I'm impatient. (laughs) We wanna see results today or tomorrow or next week, but we have to remember too, our context and what we're working with. That brings me to one of the questions which is, If people do want to raise questions about processes in their department or unit or college, um, how can they raise those questions in a way that's productive? Because we all complain. All of us, we complain. We raise issues. We talk to our coworkers. We talk to maybe our supervisor. But how do we do this in a way if we really want to affect change? Where do we start or what do we do to make that a more productive uh, form of communication?
1: Yeah, and, yeah, and this is where everybody vents about performance management, right? Uh, we all do it, I've done it, um, I do it all the time, even in a good process, you know sometimes. Um, uh, so really, I think the key is getting beyond that, and, and not just focusing on what don't you like, um, but is really talking with others about what are the specific pain points, what are the things that you're spending time on that are clearly not adding any value. Um, or maybe they're even creating problems, You know, so a good example that comes up every year when we do this is uh, employee self ratings. Mm-hmm. right? If you have employees rate themselves, let's say you use a one to five scale, mm-hmm. if they rate themselves, you are creating a situation that's going to create defensiveness mm-hmm. and that's going to make the review hard. Mm-hmm. right? It's going to make it harder. Mm-hmm. Some units have now moved away from that and they've seen some positive results. Other units have this built into their process and so it's part of their process. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you start talking about, well, why is this not helpful, right? Not just complaining about but why is this not helpful? What, how does this detract from the review? So if something creates defensiveness, you're not having a conversation that the employee is going to be receptive to listening to feedback and coaching and development because they're going to be feeling like they're being um, attacked or they're being judged unfairly or, or they have to defend their rating. This is just an example, but there's lots of pieces in the process that can do that. So think about that that way, and then what are some solutions? So if you're mm-hmm. if something is causing a problem or not adding value, what might you do? In some cases, maybe just eliminate it, right? That would be my recommendation okay. with self-ratings. just get rid of it. Um, other things, um, like let's say you have a really long form and you have to rate someone on 35 competencies and then write down all their goals and write down all their, you know, it's this long thing. Um, you still wanna have a form probably, right? Um, but you could simplify it and focus it on what matters, mm-hmm. and what the person accomplished, mm-hmm. on the impact that they had, mm-hmm. uh, and a description of maybe a few of the competencies that are really important for their role. So you simplify it.
0: Yeah, great, thank yeah. you. I'm sure that got a lot of our participants, you know, kind of thinking about, ooh, what is it that I can do? What is it that I would like to see change? And one of the questions that has come up before that you're kind of making me think about is too is, what's the cost of not ever speaking up or not, you know, not ever kind of taking the effort to identify you know, the practices that you're involved with and how they're working.
1: Yeah. So what's so, the cost? Yeah, it's, it's big yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's two levels to it. Okay. So there's the immediate cost of the time that's wasted uh, going through a process that doesn't add value, that doesn't improve performance, that doesn't improve development, that actually makes people cynical uh, and skeptical about even managing and developing talent, right? So there's that cost, the hours put in, which is probably enormous. It is in most institutions. Um, And then there's the the cost that's harder to quantify Mm -hmm. to the engagement level of your high potentials and high performers, the development that is never realized, right? So if you have people who go through um, development coaching and a good process and they learn and they grow and they're engaged versus there's just a focus on this process that's broken and doesn't work, You know, project that forward a few years, Mm -hmm. big, big impact in terms of the engagement Mm -hmm. level of your workforce. You're probably gonna lose your high potentials because as we know from the engagement work, if you're highly committed but frustrated, you probably aren't gonna hang around real long. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a lot of different elements of cost to this and I would go back to something that Christina talked about in terms of those high performers, high potentials, that's really the cost of a bad process, is you're not engaging them, developing them, and retaining them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're a really critical part of the workforce, obviously.
0: Great. Thank you. Thank you. So at this point, um, I I think we'll go into the Q&A from our audience, and we'll continue to address these issues a little bit more um, specifically to what the questions are today. One of the questions that's come through so far from Betsy, is that, you know, we, like Brandon, I think you might want to address this, is that self-ratings don't work, but the use form has that as part of the form. How, how should we handle this? And I'm not, you know, maybe you know about what form she's referring to?
1: Well, here's where I, I would clarify. There is no university form. Um, the forms are determined at the local level. That means the college uh, or unit level. And in some cases, multiple units have gotten together and share a form or a process. Um, so, you know, if you're, and I know self-ratings are used in some forms, and I know that over the last year, since this issue surfaced, I think in our webinar last year, mm-hmm. or it might have been two years ago, <laughs> um, a number of units have removed self-ratings oh. uh, from their form. Okay.
2: Um,
1: because it, I mean, it, in some ways it's kind of common sense, it's going to create defensiveness and it doesn't really add a lot of value. But some, you know, because it's a complicated process, it's not always easy to just remove something from a form that hundreds or thousands of people use. Um, so, you know, I would say that's one where if you have that in your form, be ready to have a little bit of defensiveness in that conversation mm-hmm. um, and don't be surprised by it, but try to move past it, you know, mm-hmm. don't dwell on it, don't, you know, spend a lot of time trying to defend your rating and explain why the employee's rating isn't what, you know, it is. And that's where I think it's about try not to get too distracted or spend too much time on something. Um, but you probably have to do it at least for now, but then long term, Mm -hmm. you know, I would say raise this issue, Um, you know, raise this issue with your your HR team, you know, they're part of this talent and performance management working group that we're doing, so all of the HR professionals across the system right now, we're all looking into how we can improve performance management, so, you know, make your voice heard.
0: Great, yeah, so I think that's a perfect question that kind of led into what you were talking about earlier. Great, Betsy, I hope that's helpful and the other supervisors who are also dealing with that situation. Um, another question that came through, this is from, oh great Betsy, <laughs> thanks for the feedback. Another question that came through, um, this is just a clarification question I think from Matt, but what do we mean when we say local? We, I think we mentioned this earlier um, about performance management and how it's determined on a local level. Does anyone want to speak to uh, a way to answer that? I think
1: what I I would just repeat maybe what I said, that it's determined at the college or unit level. um, But in some cases, multiple units have gotten together. Mm -hmm. So you may share a system with other units, but it is ultimately determined at that level.
0: Anything else to add? Um, Another person's asking um, about clarifying SMART goals. So the question was, um, you know, that SMART goals were the way to go. What is it, and I mentioned this in the webinar earlier, if any of you wanted to talk to this, why is it that SMART goals aren't always the way to go? Why don't they work?
2: I can try that one and you guys can chime in if you want. Uh, one thing about the SMART goals, and I, you know, I think they're good as far as it goes, but they, what can happen is we can get so focused on developing goals, especially um, at the outset of the year, and those goals can so quickly change as new things come up. I mean, the, it's just sort of assumed that things are moving along at a pretty fast uh, pace. And so that's why um, I think folks have been talking about doing carefully, um, uh, you know, crafted, more but more broad goals. Um, and then, I don't know, Brandon, do you wanna, is there anything else you wanna say about the measurement piece of it? I don't think so. I mean, okay.
0: Well, okay. I could add another, yeah. another kind of framework um, could be simple goals. So it's, t- it's making sure that the goals are specific, important, mm-hmm. and measurable, but it's really more Again. focusing on what does the employee need to be working on and making sure that
2: they have a clear understanding about what success looks like for their role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to kind of underscore what we were talking about, that, that things shift and change so quickly. We want to be flexible and adaptable in our goals. And that's why it's important to have that constant communication with employees in terms of
0: thanks you guys great okay
1: yeah there's a, a one question that I want to uh, address because it's something that comes up a lot and it's another practice that that could be put in place uh, locally and and some units do this, so the question is how do you deal with supervisors who rate all or most of their employees as exceptional, and this is something that that happens a lot of times. I mean, it's it's uh, kind of a in human nature, the people who report to you, um, we tend to over evaluate them. I mean, it just gets a bias that, that people have. And this is why um, a lot of organizations do uh, what's called calibration. Um, and this is a best practice and it works well when it's done well. Um, and this is usually something that is facilitated uh, or led by a uh, human resource uh, business partner. Um, But the idea is that because supervisors tend to over evaluate their direct reports, um, you have a process you go through where you meet with groupings of supervisors. So if it's, let's say, within a unit, all of the managers in that unit or all the directors in that unit um, would sit down and go through a systematic process of talking through the ratings that they're giving and the rationale for those ratings. And then there's discussion among the group, and that discussion may be challenging those ratings or offering other information about different employees, um, offering different perspectives. And then the idea is by the end of that, you've calibrated so that everybody, all of the supervisors, are using the same criteria. um, And then, you know, that often will, coming out of calibration, you will make adjustments uh, to those ratings. And so, If a supervisor comes into that and they're giving everybody the maximum rating, they better be ready to explain why every single one of their direct reports deserves that rating. Um, And and that creates a much more more equitable, uh, more objective process. And my observation is that that is done some places at the university, but many places it is not. Um, And that's the best way to address that issue.
0: Thanks, Brandon. I think we have time for one more question before we go into our final announcements. Uh, This is a question from Jennifer. If a supervisee, and this is probably a very common type of question, is if a supervisee is resistant to meeting weekly and their past behavior suggests they fear conflict and feedback, should I recommend they participate in training or workshop on conflict management? So I think the question really here is, I'm trying to make these weekly or these check-ins happen, and I'm getting some kind of resistance to this from my, my direct report. So, how Do you have any recommendations for how a a supervisor should um, proceed with something like this or what they should be keeping in mind? I think there's
2: lots of ways to answer that question. What comes to mind? I'll weigh weigh in and then if you guys want to add anything. So my question back to the supervisor is how is it um, and I I mean this in the most respectful way, how is it that your employee can determine if they're going to meet with you or not? I mean I think as a as a supervisor, you get to call the meeting with your employee, and you know, sort of, kind of, feel empowered in that. And I get, you know, sometimes people will do pushbacks, but it's important um, to discuss what they're working on, what their goals are, to ensure that they're meeting them. And um, I think it's this is one where the supervisor will want to kind of prepare how he's going to approach it. Good point. So going back to that
0: preparation. Yeah. And then just kind of doing your best to say, you know. If not today, then tomorrow, you know, this is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I very, think very challenging. feel yeah. empowered that you can do it in mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Yes, yes, of course. Anything to add to that?
1: Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, it's an expectation that you as a supervisor will set as you think about what kind of, you know, routine makes sense given your doctor' reports and the work, you know, is a half hour a week what works for you, or an hour a month, I mean there's different things that work, but once you decide what works for you, then setting that expectation with all of your direct reports and, and having those discussions is, is part of the job. Um, and, and I would say that it, it, in my experience it's pretty rare that employees um, don't want to have that kind of time, um, and when they don't, um, it often means that there is something wrong. Uh, sometimes it's a performance problem that they know is there, but that maybe you as a supervisor hasn't, you haven't really addressed it, and so they're kind of afraid every time they meet with you, you're going to bring it up. That happens a lot (laughs) uh, when there's this sort of situation. Um, Other times, um, you know, employees may not no, what, what do I use my manager for, right? Oh, I'm doing course. my work, it's going well, why do I need to talk to my supervisor about this? And so that's something where that actually happens a lot. Mm. Um, and when that happens, then you can have a discussion about the purpose of the check-ins. Um, it might be helpful to put in place a specific you know, agenda that, that's flexible. But that provides some structure and some you know, kind of answers the question of well, why, why are we meeting uh, on, mm-hmm. on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. As, and then, you know, uh, the way that it works with, real, with high performers uh, typically is that they, they actually are the ones that bring the agenda to the one-on-one, right? They come in because they're thinking, okay, I, in order for me to be successful, what do I need my supervisor to help me with? What do I need their input on? What barriers do I need them to help me remove to get my work done? So actually, that's you know kind of where you want to get to with a lot of uh, employees. Now, not every job is going to be like that, but in a lot of jobs, um, that's how you—that's a place you want to get to.
0: Great, thanks. So I hope that I hope that was helpful. Kind of thinking about the different ways you can approach um, an issue like that. Thanks, everyone, for your attendance today. We hope you find this information useful and relevant to your performance management processes. We look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Supervisory Development Course Podcast. Please explore the Managing and Evaluating Performance resources on the supervising.umn.edu site. There, you'll find videos, guides, and more to help you plan, coach, and evaluate performance throughout the year. The Supervisory Development Course Podcast is created by Leadership and Talent Development within the Office of Human Resources at the University of Minnesota. If you have questions or would like to reach out, please email us at ltdumn.edu.